Hi, I'm Dr. Sherry Platt, and welcome to Conscious Leadership Solutions Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In each episode, I look for ways to bring helpful insights and practical tools to leaders like you who are seeking to create a workplace culture that is energized, engaged, and productive. You know, one where people actually enjoy coming to work, where they can do their best work. Our conversations with thought leaders in business psychology and organizational development are inspiring and filled with plenty of raw truth as well as laughter. Whether you're an established executive or an emerging leader, Conscious Leadership Solutions will give you valuable tools and insights to help you create a culture that empowers everyone to thrive. Hi, it's Sherry Plett, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about that word thrive and what it looks like for you and your teams. There are five shifts in our way of thinking that really can have a transformational effect on the way we lead. It's really great to have you here. If it's okay with you, we're going to dive just right in because I have some really amazing content that I am so excited to share with you. So let's just get started. When I think about a company that's thriving, I think about two things, both profits and people. As leaders, our goal is to create a high profit, highly productive workplace culture, and also one that our employees adore, where everybody just loves coming to work. This podcast episode is for leaders. It's for leaders who know they want to lead a high-performance organization. They want to have customers and clients that love their products and services, and they want their employees and teams to also be thriving and performing at their highest level and love being there. This is also for leaders who know that their people skills maybe need a little bit of improvement, Smart business leaders know that they sometimes need to get a grip on some people issues because in the end, we know it always has a financial impact. This podcast episode is also for leaders who know they have too much drama, conflict, chaos, all of those things that we know end up wasting so much time. And at the end of the day, maybe you feel like you are going to scream if you have to hear one more complaint. If any of that sounds like you or what you're looking for, you are in the right place. In this podcast episode, we will learn about some dangerous blind spots that all leaders must be aware of. Yes, blind spots. We will also look at a reason why more money doesn't always create more motivation or better performance. There are a lot of myths out there about what motivates people. We will explore that together. We're also going to talk about what I call a secret to creating a workplace that your employees are actually excited to show up at. And it's not a secret because it's super private. It's just because you probably haven't discovered it yet. In this episode, we are also going to learn how to transform a workplace culture from mediocre to extraordinary. In all my years, I have never met an organizational leader whose goal was mediocrity. Also, you may realize why you have high turnover 
and the reason people would maybe rather work for your competitor. That one often really hurts. It sucks to see people walking out the door, especially to our competitors. We'll also discover a key to high performance and motivation that works with everyone every time. That's why I love it so much. So stick around. And these are some of the things that we are going to talk about and learn. So I just promise you that today I will be giving you this five-step system. I've kind of called it that, a five-step system for creating a workplace culture that your employees adore. And at the same time, it increases performance and profit. So those are all really good things. Uh, Before we get started, a couple of things. I just want to say that we're not going to sugarcoat the truth here. I'm always going to give it to you straight. I always remember that story I heard as a kid about the emperor's new clothes. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with that story, go check it out. But at the end of the day, what the moral of that story is that a lot of times people will not tell you what they're actually seeing. Um, But I promise I will always give it to you straight. Another thing, just before we get started, one of my underlying beliefs is that every workplace issue at the end of the day is a leadership issue. That could sound like good news or bad news. I personally consider it good news because if you own it, you can fix it. If we stop blaming others in our organization or other people, other circumstances, um, if we stop blaming them, then we really are in a much more empowered position to deal with those workplace issues. At the end of the day, it's not a Gen Y issue. It's not a motivation issue. It's not a talent issue. A lot of times it's a leadership issue. Before we jump into some of the good stuff, I'll just take a couple of minutes and just check in. Be sure this is for you. You know, if this sounds like you, if you know you have employees that are gossiping about you, oh my gosh, and it's hard to know who to trust, that really hurts. Have you, if you've ever overheard your team saying those negative things about you? And it also really hurts when you see your greatest talent walking out the door. Maybe if like you're just spending so much time putting out fires instead of working on those projects that you know will help your business grow. As leaders, we hate wasting time and people drama takes a lot of time. These workplace issues can be exhausting and they take a lot of mental and emotional energy. So if any of that sounds like you, if you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds like me, please pay really close attention because I have some good news for you. I I feel like it's good news. And the good news is that the real problem isn't any of those things that I just mentioned. The real problem is that we're not using these five steps. I call it my five-step people plus profit method. The good news is that if is that we're just not doing those things. There are a lot of programs out there that focus on those problems that I mentioned. In my opinion, those are just band-aids because they're only dealing with symptoms of the real problem. And like I said, the real problem is that we're not doing these five things um, that I'm really excited to share with you. And once we start doing those, you see immediate difference And both yourself, your team, your company, work relationships start to become so much more positive, productive, trust-based, enjoyable, all those things that we all really do want um, as leaders in our organizations. 
Also, once we use this method, your company's reputation will increase and you'll be known as one of those great places to work. And that helps you attract some of the best talent. We've all heard about this war on talent that we're in the middle of right now. And using these things I'm going to talk to you about really does help your company's reputation as an employer, not just being known for the products and services that you offer. Uh, One of my favorite parts, though, is that instead of overhearing people maybe gossiping or saying those negative things, what if you overheard somebody saying, man, I love my job. I have a great leader. I love working for them. Wow, wouldn't that be an amazing thing to overhear? Before we jump into those five things, just tell you just a little bit about me so you know who I am and maybe why to continue to listen. Uh, My name is Dr. Sherry Plett. I have worked with hundreds of leaders over the last 20 years, helping them create powerful, engaged teams. Some of my areas of expertise are in business, education, um, training, communication, personality assessments, neuroscience. I'm a total brain science geek. In fact, one of the favorite things I've been called is a brain-friendly leadership coach. I'm passionate about leadership and organizational development, and my specialty really is in helping those dedicated leaders develop rock star level self-awareness for themselves so they can, in turn, have those amazing rock star level high-performing teams. Some of the programs I've created and delivered over the years are things around fearless leadership and leading change, working with emerging leaders, teams in transition, around communication, accountability, how we can change our mindset to get better results in our businesses, compassionate conflict transformation. I'm passionate about companies' culture, so doing culture assessments and planning, and then even helping companies redesign their core values. A couple of just quick things that people have said about me that have meant so much. One of my friends, Coach Carl, said that in his 17 years of consulting, he has seen that leadership has solved almost every problem that he has ever witnessed and that Sherry has a unique ability to integrate both those internal values that every employee needs to live and adopt and also still help the company drive profit. Another friend of mine, um, dear friend, Mark, he said that Sherry delivered and developed a leadership development program for all of the teams and leaders in that organization and said it had so much creativity, depth and quality that anything that he had ever seen in all his days in the corporate world, that meant a lot. And just one last thing that um, somebody said about me that was like, oh, it just means so much. It was that there are those coaches out there um, in your life that by the virtue of their skill set, their instincts and their investment in you and your team really help you navigate those difficult issues to develop a positive and productive workplace culture. So that's a little bit about me. Let's go ahead and jump into this awesome content that I'm really excited to share with you today in this episode. Um, Again, we're going to look at this people plus profits system, and it's going to require five shifts in our thinking. So let's get started and dig in. I'm going to walk you through all five of them in this episode. So first, let me tell you how I discovered these five shifts. As a senior corporate OD, organizational development, so if you hear me say OD, I mean organizational development. So as a senior OD and training leader, 
I have seen key elements in different courses and programs that I started to see as turning points for leaders. And after overseeing training and coaching programs for many, many leaders over the year, I started to see these patterns as well um, in the way that those who were successful viewed themselves, the work that they do, and those they lead. So let me just repeat that last part because it's so important. There are patterns in how leaders view themselves, the work that they do, their practices, and those they lead. So that is key. Also, I'm quite a researcher. I love to personally learn. And I have read hundreds, maybe thousands of, of studies and books that support some of these patterns that I've seen. And so I have taken all of this and I've streamlined it into five steps that you must take to create that workplace culture where your employees adore coming to work and at the same time having really high performance, which we know ultimately um, is what drives profit. So let's jump right into the first one. So we know that when we're driving a car, remember, you know, remember back when you were learning to drive and your driving instructor said, okay, before you switch lanes, of course, this was back before all the smart car technology back in the day when I learned to drive, I didn't have all those blinking things on my side mirrors. And so I always had to glance over my shoulder so that I could be sure that there wasn't a motorcycle or a car in my blind spot. And what that did, though, was it developed a habit of always looking into knowing I had a blind spot. And because it can be scary knowing there might be a motorcycle in your blind spots. Well, as people, we all have blind spots too. The key is we need to know where to look for them. And as a leader, you must accept this truth that you have blind spots. It's scary if you don't. It's scary if you don't. Self-awareness is always the first step to knowing you have a blind spot. And the second is knowing where to look for them. You won't always know what they are, but you can know where to look. There's a myth out there that leaders must see everything. That is a huge myth. I mean, you are not God. You do not see everything. Also, these blind spots can occur in predictable locations. And that's where that like radical self-awareness becomes so important because one of the things you'll start to be aware of is where your blind spots are. It's also where it is so important to know this during times of change, when you're dealing with conflict or when you're making really big decisions. That's where our blind spots can come to bite us and why we need to know where they are. That's why you also need to have those trusted advisors around you. You need to have those people that you can ask where your blind spots are and ask for feedback. We all have to have somebody that we trust. One of the scary things for me is when I'm talking to leaders and I ask them, so where are your blind spots? And I'm surprised how often I hear, oh, I don't have any blind spots. And I'll say, well, how do you know? And they'll say, well, I don't see any. And you think about that for a moment, how much like that does not make sense. So just our quick little neuroscience lesson on this is that we all have some common blind spots. We have some that are unique to us, but there are some that are common. And let's just, just talk about one of those. 
One of the things that neuroscience shows us about blind spots is that we are wired, our brains are wired to prefer those who look like us. And these preferences, this wiring sometimes bypasses our rational thinking. It happens in a part of your brain that processes threats and fear, and it's designed this way to protect you and keep you safe. So it's it's a good thing, but we just need to be aware of where it can also create a blind spot. Your brain does this to help you survive by unconsciously, not consciously, but unconsciously causing you to prefer certain people. As a DEI leader, this is also really important to understand. We need to understand this. Our brains often have something what's called the in-group, those who feel like us. And if we are not aware that our brains tend to have a preference for people who feel like us, we're going to assume that people who look like us have better ideas or better performers. Um, maybe they're better team players. Your brain works really fast. And so this is usually happening before you are even aware that it's happening. So this is where you just, when you're making a decision, just knowing that. I was doing some interviewing um, a couple of years ago. And as I looked at all the candidates and I sorted through them after the conversations and like, wow, I really liked that person and thought, well, why? And I'm like, oh, because they think like me Um, rather than seeing the need to have somebody who thinks really different from me, whose background is really different. While that might feel a little more uncomfortable, knowing that's exactly what we needed at our company. So now we're going to look at um, another, I call it a neuroscience strategy, just because I I love um, how our brains work. But there's something else that's this, just this quick little strategy that you can use, and you can start using it right now. And it has to do with when you're having meetings. We all have a lot of meetings. So this works in person, it works on Zoom. And here is this brain strategy number one, and it is to start every meeting with good news. And here's why this is important. When your brain hears good news, it releases hormones that actually help people think more clearly and make better decisions. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And these, like I said, these happy hormones help people think more clearly, make better decisions. When people come prepared also to share good news. So if people know, oh, every time Sherry starts a meeting, she always goes around and says, hey, everybody just share maybe one sentence of some good news. Personal, professional, doesn't matter. Um, When people start to know that you're going to do that, they come prepared. And so guess what? You're turning on those happy hormones for them that are getting them thinking better and positioned to make better decisions before they even show up at the meeting. So that's something you can try. Also, when it comes to these blind spots, we know that they often are the cause and contribute to so many of the workplace problems that we deal with every day. Your blind spots, like I said, will directly affect who gets hired, developed, promoted, um, and your decision-making is often driven by these hidden blind spots. So effectiveness as a leader 
always comes down to things like our decision making, uh, the health of our organization's culture, and we don't want any of that being driven by blind spots. So kind of have a serious question for you. And it is that question I told you a few minutes ago that I love to ask leaders is, where are your blind spots? Just pause there for a minute, let you think, where are your blind spots? In some future episodes, we're going to dig into that even more and explore this idea of blind spots so that we can start to see where they might be for us and how we can predict where they are. But it all starts with this commitment to increasing our self-awareness of figuring out where they exist. Okay, let's talk about the second shift. The first one was, if you have a brain, you have blind spots. The second one is that financial incentives often do not change behavior. I know that might sound shocking, right? If you just pay people more, they'll perform better. Nope, that is a myth. There have been dozens of studies over the last three decades, and they have all conclusively shown that people who expect to receive a a reward for simply completing a task do not perform better at all. As a leader in your organization, you need to kind of step back and maybe look at how you're using rewards, your incentive and compensation programs. Sometimes these are very, very, very short-sighted, outdated, and kind of uninformed. At the end of the day, we can't just throw money at a problem and think it's going to go away. So let's look at some of these, like I call them money and performance truths that are important for us to understand. The first one is that 70% of employees in this one survey said that they felt less productive than they did a year ago. I mean, that's kind of shocking. Another statistic was that 35% of people in the U.S. said that they would forego a substantial pay raise to see their direct supervisor fired. Ouch. Like, that's a tough one. There's also been some research that shows using financial rewards might might make some slight improvements for manual repetitive tasks, but it's got to be something very mindless because even something that requires minor thinking and creativity, sometimes just throwing rewards and rewards and rewards at it um, sometimes can actually decrease performance. I know that seems counterintuitive. Um, um, in the long run, we know that these things cause you know performance and integrity to suffer. In terms of our organizations, they can even undermine what we're trying to create of that long-term individual commitment. One of the surest ways that we can destroy cooperation, and if we destroy cooperation, we're destroying our organization's ability to be excellent is by forcing people to compete with each other for rewards and recognition and starting to rank them against each other. That kind of um, competition can sometimes, not always, but can sometimes actually destroy cooperation. And part of the reason is because financial incentives and rewards like this fall into this category of motivation called extrinsic motivators. And they have Maybe short-term effect, but it's limited. Research continues to show that these external motivators, things like money, in the long term, 
can create dissatisfaction, lack of cooperation, stress, drama, poor performance. And we all want to be those great leaders. And great leaders have mastered unlocking. I call it unlocking because it's kind of a key of unlocking internal motivation because that's where we end up with sustained performance because it's got to happen from the inside out. Great leaders have mastered the ability to do this, to create a work environment where people are dedicated to their jobs, where their employees gladly and freely get absorbed in their work. That's what I call thriving, that word thrive. And so here's the question. How do we create a workplace like that? It starts with um, a change in our thinking, and it's more like thinking like a farmer, as odd as that might sound. We know that a farmer, it's so important to take care of the crops. The farmer tends the soil and nurtures the seedlings and ensures that the plants are in an environment where they can mature. So that environment is what is so important. Uh, People need a workplace culture where they can thrive, like a seed needs an environment where it can grow. And these are places where people are encouraged to grow and develop. Um, That's what helps people feel happier, more satisfied. And also conflict ends up being reduced. So we need to just learn um, what we can do for our teams to help them be motivated from the inside out. And here is where it takes some understanding because there are no generic people. So there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all on how to do this. We have to know how to make it personal for each person. So let's recap. Our first shift in our thinking was seeing that we all have blind spots. And this second shift was a big one. It kind of goes against traditional business thinking that says that people are only motivated by money. Um, That's pretty short-sighted. Uh, Next, we're going to talk about how to grow people and profits at the same time with that thing I said was like a secret weapon, not really secret because, you know, it's so private, but it's just something you may not be aware of. So here's what it is. Number three, our third shift. It's that autonomy. Giving people autonomy is what I like to call a leader's secret weapon for unlocking high performance. What is autonomy? So autonomy is this power that people feel like they have to shape their work environments in ways that allow them to perform at their best. It is essential for building true employee engagement. Um, Without autonomy, people kind of can tend to wander aimlessly, kind of zombie-like through their day, waiting to be told what to do. Talented employees are passionate. When we talk about employee engagement, that's what we're talking about. We want people who are passionate. And as we give people opportunities to pursue their areas of strength, that really helps improve productivity, job satisfaction. But many managers tend to want people to work within like this little box, Some managers fear that productivity will start to decline um, if they let people expand their focus and direct their effort onto things that are of interest to them. I know, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a job that has to be done, but I encourage you 
always be asking yourself the question, where can I give my people more autonomy to direct their own work? You can trust people with this. I know it can be scary, uh, but believe me, this fear is unfounded. Studies continue to show that people who are given more autonomy at work experience flow. um, And that's that state of mind where people are sometimes five times more productive than normal. So giving people autonomy helps create flow. Flow helps create productivity. So it all is a pretty amazing process. Um, Let's talk just for a little bit about autonomy and motivation and how they they are tied together. So when we talk about motivation, it, it can it's sort of a progressive thing. So at first people can start with like no motivation at all. And when they're looking at the work they have to do, they might think like, wow, it's it's futile for me to try because I don't see any chance of success. Well, that'd be somebody with no motivation, right? Um, and then the next step would be like, okay, if there's some external reward, people might have some external motivation and they might say things like, okay, I'm going to do this for the pay or the reward, or maybe just because I'm being coerced to do it. A next like deeper level of motivation might come from like an internal pressure, not really a motivation, but a pressure. And they might be saying things to themselves like, I do this because I feel this tension inside of me or I have a pressure to do it. But here's where autonomy starts to shift that. If you give people a little bit of autonomy, it shifts their motivation and they start to have a personal identity tied to the motivation. And they will start to say things like, I'm going to do this purposefully because I believe in it and I believe in the means to the end and I value this. They start to identify with it. And then ultimately, we end up with this shift from no motivation to external motivation to this internal motivation where people would say things like, I do this for its own sake and for the feeling of success that I get for doing it well and doing it right. That's what internal motivation sounds like. So if we give people more autonomy, it starts to shift the type of motivation, the type of fuel in their tank as they're doing their work. Autonomy unlocks performance. That is the bottom line. Our employees, when they feel that they are free to make more choices, they're going to be happier, more committed, more productive, and less likely to leave. So let's continue to look for ways that we can give people more choice and release control of how tasks are completed. Even if we start small with that, It can be a little scary, but we know in the long run, it has a huge effect. Even giving people control over schedules, team assignments, maybe not what's being done, but how it's being done. So I'll I'll leave you with that. And just one last thing, actually, I will say about autonomy is that it's the opposite of micromanagement. We've all had bosses that micromanaged us, right? And how much we hated that. So autonomy... is literally the opposite of micromanagement. Oh, one last thing. I keep saying one last thing. Just another thought I had. I also read that when uh, people feel like they have more control over their lives, that it actually increases uh, lifespan by reducing heart disease. When I read that, I was like, wow, that's another great reason to look 
to have for my own life being in jobs and positions where I feel like I have autonomy because I'm going to live a long life. And I want that for my teams as well. All right, let's jump into our fourth shift. And that this, it's this, it's that great leaders need to know how to create cultures. That's where it's so important, our cultures that grow people plus profits. So your company is going to make more money if you know how to grow and develop the strengths and skills of your people, right? That makes, that makes pretty good sense. So let's talk about that a little bit. And it all starts with this one thing. And this is where I'm just going to kind of sugarcoat, not sugarcoat the truth for you, is that it all starts with what you believe about people in general. When you think about just looking across your organization and teams, do you feel that underneath it all, people are basically lazy, unmotivated, and untrustable? Or do you believe that people are basically designed to want to explore, to grow, to be productive? We all have a basic underlying belief there. And this belief literally influences everything. And it will be what changes whether you feel like you can empower your people or whether you're going to feel like you need to control them. A lot of this comes also from the types of bosses we have had. If we've had authoritarian bosses that used a lot of punishment and rewards, that's going to shape how we think about people. Sometimes we've had bosses with no structure at all, and they led without any kind of predictable outcome. That's like the opposite. That kind of has shaped things for us as well. And we need sometimes as leaders to unlearn some bad habits that we may be inherited from some bad leaders that we've had in the past. So we don't want to be one of those bosses that when people think back years later that we're in that category of a bad boss, right? We want to be somebody that when people think back, they're like, wow, that was a great leader to work with. And it starts with that shift in our thinking about people in general and about how companies operate. I kind of call it the new way when I think about that, like, I I have like this list, like, this is the old way, and this is the new way. And it doesn't make sense to try to change a culture with old rules, when some of those rules are actually a part of the problem. So let's talk about that a little bit. So the old way is often that companies tried to operate like a machine. And a new way is that companies really need to function more like a living system, Think of it like, like a, a machine in a factory versus a tree in a field, right? Um, this old way is that people need to be managed to perform. A new way is that people need to be developed so they can thrive. An old way is that people are just seen as interchangeable parts. Ah, one leaves, we'll just hire a new one, right? Versus this new way of seeing people as literally the greatest asset and the greatest resource. The old way is, we talked about that a few minutes ago, about using external rewards or punishment for motivation versus this new way of encouraging internal motivation and growth. And the last last one here of this kind of old way, new way comparison is this old way is that organizations have to run with hierarchy and control, right? 
versus this new way of having our organizations run with things like cooperation and collaboration, knowing that ultimately is what creates things like innovation, in addition to lots of job satisfaction. So that's our fourth thing, fourth little shift. The last one, I said there was five, and we're at the fifth one, and it is that leadership can be lonely. And every successful leader I have ever worked with has a mentor, a coach, somebody that helps them along the way. Um, When we think about, um, you know, even the difference between teachers versus coaches, that's another kind of thing. I mean, a lot of us have attended lots of training. In fact, I read a statistic that said in the U.S., that every year there is 170 billion with a B billion dollars spent on leadership training. And while I love, I love training, I'm a lifelong learner and I so believe in training, but sometimes that money spent on training ends up being in books or conference materials, resources that are just sitting on a shelf. I've always thought, man, wouldn't it be great if, um, if I, just because I had a book on my shelf, it meant that I also had all of those truths um, operating in my life. Sometimes, sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. We know that we need not just training, we need development. And we know that having mentors and coaches, those who can work with us one-on-one, really help foster that kind of development because it helps you kind of personalize all of those things that you've used and helps them um, get it actually in our life. Sometimes there's a gap from the great things we've learned versus what's actually happening. So coaches are essential. I mean, we see that in high-performance sports, right? And that's a perfect model. Um, We know every high-performance athletes, they understand the importance of a coach. They trust their coach. Their coach points out blind spots. They provide support when developing new skills. They know it's required for extraordinary success. When it comes right down to it, as leaders, we need to own our own development, knowing it's our responsibility. Sometimes the companies we're in, our organizations support that, but even if they don't, we need to own it for ourselves. So I just encourage you to, if you do not have a mentor, a coach, find one. When I think of all the things I have invested in over the years where I have invested in coaching and mentoring, those have been some of the the best dollars I've ever spent. So when we started this episode, I promised you a couple of things that we would learn about some dangerous blind spots that we all need to be aware of. And that at the end, we might realize why more money doesn't always create more motivation and that we would have the secret weapon, autonomy, that helps us create those workplaces where people love coming to work. Hopefully some of this has helped you learn how you can transform your culture from mediocre to extraordinary and realize maybe why some of your people are leaving for your competitors. That hopefully these were some keys that you will be able to use to increase performance and motivation because they really do work with everyone every time. So as we wrap up, here's what you need to do to win. First, acknowledge you have those hidden blind spots. Second, stop relying on financial incentives and rewards. Number three, empower people with autonomy, that secret weapon. Uh, Fourth, create a workplace culture that grows people. And lastly, find a coach, a mentor, that you can trust because that ultimately 
is what will unlock that success for you. So we all have these choices. We can, you know, ignore all this stuff I just shared with you and just keep the drama, the chaos, the unhappy staff members, um, or we can do something about it. If you want to transform your company into that amazing place to work, here's what I recommend is commit yourself to radical self-awareness as a leader. Find yourself a leadership coach. And of course, keep tuning in to Conscious Leadership Solutions, this podcast. Thanks again for showing up. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Conscious Leadership Solutions podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend or colleague. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast player if you haven't done so already. If you have any questions or comments, any recommended topics, or just ideas to share, you can reach me directly at ConsciousLeadershipSolutions.com. Together, let's remember that the heartbeat of conscious leadership is self-awareness, transparency, and a willingness to evolve. Thanks for listening. Thank you.